Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, a Ford Focus ST-Line X Special Edition. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. What is a Ford Focus ST-Line X, then, Alan? It's like a very familiar hatchback in a particular back level. Okay. There, there we go. Uh, now we're done. We'll finish up. Uh, and that's it. Yep. You can all imagine what it's like. Uh, no, so it's a Ford Focus that looks like it's a ford focus st so it looks like the sporty one okay and has a little bit of sporty tuning but it isn't the sporty one and the x means it's one of the two spec levels that that comes in so uh, much like the fiesta we discussed not so very long ago there's a fiesta st line and there's a fiesta st line x okay and similarly there's a focus st line the focus st line x this time around we've got the x okay version this is going to be a tricky one tonight by the way so five door hatchback by the way uh and we'll go into details in a minute this is going to be a tricky one because it's going to sound a lot like a carbon copy of the of the fiesta because the mo- the fiesta one from recently because the models are very very similar it's a very very similar spec it's just a bigger car really, okay and a little bit more powerful this wasn't meant to be an ST Line X. It was meant to be an Active X, a Vignali edition, but for reasons, it had to be swapped out. So yes, it's not quite the car we'd, I'd, I'd hoped it was going to be, but that, that's hence the similarity. I would have aimed for different parts of the range uh, had, had, had that been possible. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to say that I think the Actives are the best looking of their particular levels that they're in. I always feel yeah, it was an it was an active and a vignali. So plastic cladding and chrome tu- uh, chrome <laughs> wing mirrors. No, pl- <laughs> not quite. Plastic cladding and really nice leather seats yeah, and yeah. sort of no, exhibits and stuff. But then uh, two weeks before Ford declared they were they, they weren't going to produce that spec anymore. Got swapped out for an, an ST line. That's a shame because we actually do have a few of those around here because because we've got a local Ford garage. Well, as people will know who've listened to the show for some time. And quite a few people have plumped for the, the active, uh, mm. whether it's the Fiesta or the Focus. So I, I, it's one of those that I think us people who talk about cars go, oh, uh-huh. everyone should buy that, but we're not enough, nor put our own hands in our own pockets enough to make it viable. Uh, yeah, speak for yourself. Uh, but I think that actually the ST line and the active, I'll tell you why I think that they seem, based on absolutely no data and purely gut feel, to be so popular here in the UK. And that's because they are the interesting models. Mm. There is something a bit interesting about them. They're not the sporty one, the really interesting ones. They're the sort of a little bit level below that, but they have, you know, you've either got something that looks sporty and you know, we'll talk about it in a bit. It handles well. It, it's 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 comfortable. It's it's got all these things, and it feels feels a bit sporty. Or it's sort of got the cladiness, and it looks a bit more interesting. Mm. And I think that that's why those two specs tend to be the ones. I don't know if they're the ones that sell best, but they're definitely the ones that I notice whenever I yeah, whenever I'm out yeah. on the road. Because that's the other thing that the Focus has to fight is the a bit like well, very much the same as the Fiesta is. They are, or they feel like they're everywhere. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, not quite to the level of the Fiesta. No. But yes, the, the, the Focus does have, it is pretty ubiquitous here in the UK. Mm. It really is. I mean, it's not been the top 10 for the last few months. Yeah. Uh, but again, that's that's 
the Puma has been, the uh, the Cougar has been, I think they've been pinching some of those sales, partly because of the ubiquity of the Focus. And the trouble is that just because something's ubiquitous doesn't mean it's bad. No, no, exactly. Do you want to, um, sorry, I've I've distracted you. Do you want to crack on with sort of things like the engines and the specs and all that? that- As I said, uh, it's an ST-like aesthetically, and also some of the suspension tuning is updated. So it's not just a body kit stuck on, but, you know, the same Wallowy Springs as an L or an LX or whatever the, base levels are i think it's active isn't it there are many engine choices you can have let me warm myself up to this one a one liter 125 brake horsepower eight speed automatic petrol you can have a 1.5 liter 120 brake horsepower with either a six speed manual or an eight speed auto diesel okay you can have a two liter 150 brake uh these are all metric horses by the way uh six speed manual or eight speed auto diesel or you can have a one liter 125 brake mild hybrid six speed manual or you can have a one liter 155 brake mild hybrid six speed manual okay which is what i had right so i, I had that last one 155 five brake uh, with the, the, the manual uh, and the mild hybrid base car by the way twenty seven thousand five hundred and thirty five pounds you are at the upper end of the range uh, at this point of, of the reasonable range so it's quite a lot of car for that much money these days i know everyone's going to go how much but uh when it's on pcp yeah i was going to say when it's on PCP, in the spec I had, which I'll come back to because I've put myself out of order already, uh, financed over 36 months, uh, you get 0% interest, zero deposit, and £1,400 of deposit allowance or discount. Uh, based on 9,000 miles a year for each of those three years, it's £483.06 per month, which is actually pretty good. Yeah, that's not, that's not, doesn't sound dreadful, I have to say. Well, given it's, given it's absolutely nothing up front. Hmm. Um, and I think it's ten thousand pounds optional payment as well. So you can you can get that down dead easily by having at least something to trade in. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's pretty much a worst case. The color tax. Let's talk about that next. You can have race red, which is flat red, uh, like a fire engine, uh, for free. Uh, you can have white for two hundred and seventy-five pounds. You can have silver, black or chrome blue for 575 pounds mm-hmm. uh, silver and black are the colors you'd expect uh, chrome blue is, is quite a nice sort of mid blue metallic uh, you can have magnetic which is the kind of gray or desert island blue which is blue for 725 pounds and there is a typo here i'm so sorry uh, or you can have a uh, fantastic red for eight hundred and twenty five i'm just looking at this yeah eight hundred and twenty five pounds okay that better be quite a special red then it's fantastic okay well that's enough then yeah Yeah, because that's the color the breast guard came in and it is a really really nice red is it worth 825 quid i'd probably go for the chrome blue myself Mm -hmm. at 575 quid and, and and save myself a bit but if the car came in that color it's a nice color Okay. It is a nice color. Test car also had the blind spot information system for four hundred pounds and the convenience pack for five hundred pounds. You're going to ask me what's included in those, aren't you? And I don't have that in front of me, so let me get it in front of me. Will that not come up in the tech and driving? Ah, uh, yes, it probably should come up in the tech, really, shouldn't it? 
that's the specs and all the the surrounding stuff uh let's look at the outside and the outside as i say looks a bit like a sporty focus in fact it looks a lot like a sporty focus it's a handsome car it's nicely proportioned it's not overly aggressive Mm -hmm. Uh, i don't think the focus is as attractive as it was in the first couple of generations i know that you and i disagree slightly on that and you're the one who's owned one you probably has more weight (laughs) Uh, your opinions probably have more weight on that don't say that very often but despite the fact that this was a one liter mild hybrid it still you know it still looked good it had the nice spoiler at front nice uh front sort of lower grill uh, a nice spoiler on the back twin pipes both to the same side mm-hmm. on the rear which was, was quite nice it definitely made it look like it was uh it was a much much bigger throatier engine uh, than the little triple that it had and fantastic red is really nice uh, i'd also like to point out that the st line x uh, alloys are particularly nice i don't really like polished alloys whether it's black and then there's a, a polished bit on them mm. they always seem a bit i don't know they're just always a bit cheesy they're always over fussy these ones are really nice it's got sort of five pentagons um sort of outlined in the silver coming away from the center uh five stud alloys so the number of studs and the number of spokes matches up really neatly i know i know that's just me uh, but then there's also a sort of ghosted spoke in between each of those pentagons. It's just a nice, it's just a nice wheel and it's not overly fussy. And that's one of the nice things I think about the outside of the Focus uh, and the exterior of the Focus is that it isn't too fussy. No, no, it isn't. You're right. Uh, it does actually, when you're driving, it does actually feel like quite a big car, by the way. That's the other thing about the, the exterior. It's not ridiculous sizes. It's not, it's, it's not it's not silly size uh, it, it does actually feel like quite a big car i found generally okay and one of the flip sides of it feeling like quite a big car is that of course it it, it is quite a big car <laughs> the boot is pretty junky plenty of space in there for cases for boxes for whatever you want whatever you might want to put in the boot for example um uh, it's it's not a sophisticated boot in that it is a space at the back of the car. There are no clever undercrofts, uh, no no fancy height-adjustable floors or anything like that. It is a large, regular space with a couple of molded-in curry hooks and a solid uh, parcel shelf as well, which, of course, lifts with the tailgate. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's a boot. It's a very good boot. As far as boots go, it works for being a commodious place to store stuff. Okay. <laughs> back seats in the traditional manner again the, the back of the fiesta was a bit cramped there wasn't a huge amount of knee room it was fine height wise but you know three people in the back of the fiesta would have been would have been uncomfortable if there were three adults for all but the shortest of journeys obviously bigger car more space in the back so uh knee room not an issue a uh, headroom not an issue even for me i i know i have we we short hairy legs and uh but uh, i've also got a long back so that's where it tend i tend to get caught out in the in the backs of backs of cars is is actually headroom plenty of width there so you could go a short journey as opposed to a very short journey with three adults uh, across the back seats middle passenger gets a small sort of inch and a half two inch uh, hump in the footwell to contend with uh, and their seating zone is all in this at uh, this spec anyway is all sensico i think it's called it's it's, it's pleather anyway uh 
uh, whereas the two outer passengers uh, get a, a sort of a sort of suede-esque uh, feeling feeling fabric there mm-hmm. I- instead. What else? Cubbies. There are bottle holders and cubbies in both of the rear doors. Uh, obviously, the focus is only available as five door in the state these days. There is no three door, and there's a single twelve volt power socket uh, down uh, down on the, the the back of of, of what's the, the front passenger's yeah. central binnacle uh, as well for power. Oh, one other thing that I noticed is that you do get a pair of of mesh nets in the back of the the driver's seat. Very uh, capri reminiscent. People. <laughs> uh, well, me being me, it, it reminds me of BMW of nineteen eighties BMWs and Mercedes, um, <laughs> because it is the mesh style, which you know all the little things will fall through. Yeah, yeah, great for. But not the plus side pens. of that is you can see if your kids have left, you know, bananas or and or yeah. fruit that goes rotten in them, and take it out before it goes all smushy. You know what you're going to be touching before you <laughs> yes, hit it. Exactly that. <laughs> Uh, should we move into the front? Yep. Uh, so the sports seats on the ST line, pretty pretty decent bolsters. I mean, they're not rigidly rock hard bolsters, uh, at, at, like what I have in the GRMN. They are, you know, that you're not going to sort of catch yourself on them on the way out. Uh, but they do. They are firm enough to hold you in place uh, when you're driving and to keep you keep you nice and comfortable uh, there. I almost said that the driver has a seat and the passenger has a seat. That's the level of barrel that I'm having to scrape to make this sound interesting. Uh, dashboard, uh, the instrument binnacle anyway, is uh, it's was it 12.4 inch or something, but it's all digital. So it is a digital screen. Uh, there's no sort of analog uh, hybridness going on there okay. so there's no you know it, it's not like the fiesta where there were needles and then everything would appear around it it is pure purely a, a screen really nice really clear okay there are three drive modes in the car obviously each one gets you a slightly different view on the binnacle mm-hmm. including to move when you move between them about 10 seconds worth of very snazzy and very attractive animation to move <laughs> from mode and color zone to color zone the colors are an unsurprising choice in that re- in that the sport mode is red mm-hmm. eco mode is green and mm. normal is blue go standardization that seems to have naturally happened across the car industry <laughs> Exactly. The other thing you notice is when you turn it on and turn it off, then there is this big, ah, long animation where it eventually comes up and it goes forward and it goes bing and makes appropriate plinky plonky plingy noises. You, I think you could turn it off deep in the deep in the um, in the settings. You could turn it off, but I quite liked it. I'm sorry, I quite like those snazzy animations. They do nobody any harm. Uh, so, so yes, I, I would stick with them, and it made me smile. Okay, well that's good then. The all the money and the effort that went into that was worth it if it made you smile. I appreciated it. And that by the way, making you smile, to be serious for a second, making you smile is one of the things that this car is actually quite good at. Okay. Because this car is packed with surprise and delight features. All right. So if I can skip ahead, the the for example, the cubby in the middle, you know, behind where the handbrake would be if it wasn't electronic, uh, and, and the act as an armrest and a storage area. There's, there's a little, there's a vertical pen holder in there. 
as well as the little oddment tray that you'd expect, as well as, you know, a couple of USB ports and, and that kind of stuff. But there's a nice thing for holding your pen. You go, oh, that's good. That's clever. And, and this is a lot like the Fiesta in that everything has been thought through. Mm-hmm. It is a very considered car. car. Lots of stuff has been figured out, worked out, sorted out, um, and, and sort of refined. And there are lots of little bits that make you go, oh, that's nice. That's clever. Just even down to, to the, 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 the silly, overly long, overly long animations. Mm-hmm. Okay. Take us through the um, central um, console and all that sort of stuff, because in previous generations, that's been a little bit fussy in that area with previous designs. I, I agree with you, uh, but this one isn't. This one, essentially the same components as used in the Fiesta. Uh, that's not a bad thing. Let's just say that the it's essentially the focus bits are used in the Fiesta, and then that makes it sound, that makes part sharing sound more more premium. But now at the top, uh, you've got a decent sized screen. Uh, the and that uses what we'll talk about in technology in 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 the tech part. But again, there's a screen. There's knobs for tuning and volume, and and of course the volume button acts as an on-off one by pressing the middle of it. So there's no unsightly icon to be the wrong way up. Uh, and then there's a row of buttons uh, across the bottom. So there's one for home, taking you back to the, the start of it all. One for settings and setting up the equalizer for the music, uh, should you desire. And buttons to play, skip forward, back. And a button to turn the screen to just a clock or to off completely, depending on how many times you press it. That is a very important feature that more manufacturers need to have as a standard thing. It is actually quite a good thing. And especially when you have an array of physical buttons to a company. Mm at the central screen if you're using the built-in sat nav obviously then it's it's much easier to do that because then you can show all the stuff you need in the binnacle yeah and that was one of the things that was quite nice about the background of the binnacle was it was very good at kind of showing the uh at showing some of some of the nav stuff as well well that's useful particularly if you're doing night journeys or if you've got the family or stuff like that you don't want even on night mode the screens are very bright because they are lit in a particular way. And yeah. if you can switch them off and just have the information you need as the driver and no one else really cares about. I confess that with this car, I didn't really drive it at night. No, I it's wrong time. Barely. I mean, that. it was mostly, I don't, drove it a lot with the lights on because the weather, the week and the long weekend, the, the bank holiday weekend I had, it was absolutely grim. Yes. And so, so I drove it with the lights on an awful lot, but not in the dark, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's an awkward one there. Uh, so down below all of that, there's uh, climate controls. Uh, this time it was proper climate and dual zone. That's one of the things you do get with the active X edition over the, the standard ST line, uh, is, is dual zone climate as opposed to just air con. There's also buttons down there for the heated front seats, the heated steering wheel, uh, and, of course, the quick, clear heated windscreen because it is a Ford. Mm-hmm. Moving back from that round, the gear shift are all the buttons for mode and traction and stuff. Sorry, I, I missed that a bit. In front of the gear stick, there is uh, a little cubby with a USB port, 12-volt socket, and wireless charging panel. Okay. So you could charge your phone without plugging it in. I was using CarPlay pretty much constantly so my phone was was plugged in so i didn't need to use the wireless charging panel yeah it was quite big though which does always make me worry i, I quite like it when the wireless charging panels are quite small because then you, your phone can't slide off it when you go around corners they are sort of future proofing it for massive phones though aren't they 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 are it, in this case you could have had a phablet in there 
Oh, okay. It was great. We had loads of space. Decent sized cubby. You know, really good sized cubby. But it was just I when it was just my phone in there, I felt it was sliding around a lot when if it's a wireless charging panel, I kinda want it to be more more held in place. But there we go. That's uh that's road tester fussiness coming through. Yes. Right there. Much like complaining. We'll mark it down seventy four stars just for that. I know. (laughs) I know. It's just not on. What else? traction control buttons should you desire to turn that off mode buttons to make it play all the animations oh and the center cubby i've already said there was another usb some storage space for small bottles of water or whatever it was that that, that. it was big enough for small bottles of water okay uh, and obviously there's there was um oh there was adjustable sort of cup or bottle holders so it was kind of strip and then two little bars that went across mm-hmm. and you could move the two little bars out so that it was just the right size to hold your cup or your carton or whatever it was mm. uh, that you had in there it was it was good enough for essentially two paper coffee cups of reasonable size plus the slot in between meant you could put your phone in vertically if you were plugged into the 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 center cubby usb which is what i generally did so again that's just showing the the little things have been thought through yeah totally absolutely absolutely steering wheel again two clusters of buttons bottom row of each side were for entertainment upper left were all the cruise control buttons no adaptive uh, in in this one uh, because it doesn't have this didn't have the same packs and the same bias as, as the fiesta i'd had the week before so and on the right were all the controls for navigating all the menus and making the binnacle screen all all work and and change between views and what you wanted you know did you want to see your music and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Inside's all quite dark. I mean, the the sort of part pleather and and suede alike in seats were felt nice, really comfortable. As I say, uh, plenty of space, lots of adjustability in the driver's seat, but it was quite whole of Calcutta black. There was red stitching, uh, including what's it listed in the spec for this one's a, this one's a cracker. The soft console knee pads with red stitching, but there was red stitching on the the seats on on the steering wheel as well and that lifted it a little bit Mm. Um, and again red stitching so it's sporty (laughs) goodness me was it quite dark in there yeah yeah. but quite a comfortable place definitely a comfortable place to be with this if a little bit overbearingly dark again weather wasn't the best the the week i had it so maybe that's played uh, a part in in that of course psychologically Mm. right okay we're we're told repeatedly that the focus are very good driver's cars. Uh, let's mm. move on to the driving section. How did you find it? I found the handling to be very pleasant. It was it was nice. It, it, you pointed a corner, it went around the corner. Mm-hmm. You didn't feel it was wallowing. You didn't feel it was rolling. You didn't feel it pitched or anything else. You know, tread shuffle was nowhere to be found. Uh, I'm joking about the tread shuffle. The rest of it is absolutely true. So yeah, it was great. I, I didn't do much press on driving at all. Uh, there was quite a lot of relaxed driving. I, I had it for the week. It was one of those times when I, I had to make a point of going on a journey to try and rack up some miles in it. Because mm-hmm. uh, uh, otherwise I've been sort of dodging around locally. That dodging around locally plus the 100-mile trip I took it on did mean that I got an average of forty, about 47 miles to the gallon, okay. uh, which wasn't bad. That's towards the, the, it's towards the lower end, but there was quite a lot of town 
dodging about of the WLTP figures. Lowest on WLTP is 44.8, highest is 61.4. I'm sure if I'd done more motorways, I would have got up towards that 61.4. I would have been into the into the 50s. Okay. It's not particularly quick, so just to give you the, the specs, I'd already said the, the maximum power is 155 metric horses. It's 240 newton meters of torque with the overboost function. We'll talk about that in a tick. It will reach 131 miles an hour eventually, uh, with a 0 to 62 of 9.2 seconds. Yeah. Oh, oh, by the way, I, I read the highest and lowest of the WLTPs. I forgot to read out the combined. The combined is 52.3, so I wasn't a million miles off that, to be perfectly honest, given that I was doing combined driving uh, in a sort of relaxed manner. No, no, that sounds good. That sounds pretty so, good. So it was a fair chunk of A-Road. There was quite a lot of dodging around Corby. There was then quite a lot of A-Roads and some some dual carriage way up the A1 and, and, and down, the, down the M1. And uh, totally so. unrelated, really. Hmm. But do you think the WLTP now does a lot more urban driving at 20 mile an hour as opposed to 30? Yeah, I'd imagine so. I'd hope so, considering how many places now are 20. You know what it's like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 20 everywhere, plus plus man traps. Yeah. Yeah. There's man traps that you'll fall down and tank traps you have to climb over (laughs) the roads around here at the minute. It's quite (laughs) shocking. I mean, there were normal sport Nico modes... What did they do? Not a lot. Uh, Sport made the steering a bit heavier. Uh, They all dulled or sharpened the throttle response. Made no actual difference to speeds or anything like that. (laughs) But, you know, they they changed the color of the binnacle as well. And it's quite nice. If you want the red binnacle, it makes you drive a bit quicker. If you want blue binnacle, it's quite chilled. If you want the green binnacle, then you're kind of stuck behind whatever the heck it was you were stuck behind. Uh, Now, this was a mild hybrid. and. How do I word this? I didn't like the drivetrain. There you go. How's about that for for for, for okay, the middle of the road? This subtlety. What you? Uh, I've said that now, and of course, the rule of press cars and, and all these things is that you you're honest about stuff, and you have to be able to justify stuff you say. So I can't just say the drivetrain. I don't like it. No, we don't do that in the motoring podcast. No. So now I have to explain why. I didn't like it because. It was very difficult. This might be my driving style. So, I mean, Andrew, you know what my driving is like. I will accelerate at a reasonable pace up to a speed. And then I will mostly kind of coasty cruise. I don't tend to hit the brakes that much. I tend to let the car, and I don't tend to be too hard on the throttle once I'm at a cruising speed. I just keep the car going. And, and, And I'm quite an economical driver as a result. I can generally, if I get into an EV, I can generally, weather conditions permitting, uh, I can get the kind of range that that, that comes in under WLTP and these kind of things. It's it, yeah. Or I can get the recognized real world range without trying. Mm-hmm. So that that's my driving style. In this, I had no problem getting up to speed. Okay, I made jokes about it being a little bit slow, but come on, it's nine point two seconds to sixty two. It's a standard slightly upper middle of the range c-segment hatchback that is perfectly reasonable and perfectly permissible what i didn't like was that it always felt like the handbrake was on a bit oh, okay i felt that it was so busy trying to 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 regen to to uh, regain okay. stuff 
for the the mild hybrid so that it could give me the extra little boost and you know because the power delivery was was really very linear but i didn't like that drag in the drivetrain Mm. i didn't like that constant feeling that it was always slowing me down and it was always giving me quite a lot of engine braking over which i felt i had no control Mm. i couldn't dial that back in any way I, i tried the different modes nothing um it was just this constant drag and i felt that i was having to try to drive much more i find it very difficult to keep a consistent speed or a constant speed in it 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 was a bit of that in the fiesta as well but it was worse with this 155 horsepower setup in in the focus i i just found it quite annoying and when i was on a roads and i was trying to keep a speed i was trying to be be economical and just drive the way i do and i was sitting behind other people so i wasn't even trying i wasn't in a position to drive fast that it would um that i just felt that it was constantly pulling me down i felt i had to constantly speed up and i didn't have active crews on this so it wasn't reasonable to put that on on single carriageways uh to to put sort of standard cruise control on um that that's uh, i'm not comfortable with that active then yes i will but passive uh no uh it's it's too difficult for other people to be to be keeping a, a steady speed i mean when you're going when you put your foot down actually it, it, it could shift it had plenty of torque for overtaking when it was safe and legal to do so but when it was possible uh then then yes it would it could make a decent fist of overtaking without too much you know hesitation repetition or deviation but just when you're trying to sit at a cruise i found it very very difficult uh, significantly harder than in a pure hybrid from any number of different manufacturers uh, and significantly harder than with a, a standard you know, pure ice uh, internal combustion engine so that was what i really didn't like okay there done i've said it now that was cathartic <laughs> uh technology mm-hmm. so no driver assistance pack in this uh, unlike the fiesta before hence the lack of 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 adaptive crews uh and all these kind of things did have lane keeping assist sorry it was fine on motorways it was a hindrance on smaller roads i find that the best systems these days you can just leave on you might have to tweak the sensitivity until it suits you mm-hmm. yeah but generally you've only got three levels of sensitivities and off so you know and sometimes off is what suits you by the way it was a, it was a little bit jittery on that other mm-hmm. than that everything seemed to work pretty pretty seamlessly the lane keeping assist, by the way, really hard to find the button for these on Fords. Turns out it's on the end of the left-hand indicator stalk. Not a problem this week, the, the week I had the focus, because of course I just had the Fiesta and it had taken me five days <laughs> to find the button on the end of the stalk. <laughs> so I know this had lane keeping assist. Why are you not working? Uh, and then eventually I found it. When it came to the, uh, pr- the collision the pre-collision sort of avoidance then uh didn't get any false positives on it good uh which was which was good uh that was that was that was that was excellent so that not an issue uh it was very good at recognizing the speed signs as well and showing those on the dash uh the including ones in roadworks and stuff so that kind of stuff nice dependable even in the rain Okay. Uh, with the wipers on on auto and intermittent and stuff, it it worked just fine. That's good. 
which is which is all nice to know. I know it's very very dull, but it's the stuff that makes a difference between you know it's the stuff that once you own a car for a while it can really niggle you if that kind of thing just doesn't seem to work very well. Well, you begin to lose trust in it. Yeah, and you go well if you if you can't get this right then. Oh, I'm worrying about other things. And equally, well, if you yeah. over-rely on the technology. Well, yeah. Uh, oh, uh, one other piece of technology I completely forgot to mention. This had the wonderful the wonderful door protectors. <laughs> okay. Yes, the door edge protectors where you open the door and they pop out. Really good. Really nice. Uh, I'm sure that, you know, it, it comes down to that whole surprise and delight feature thing. Uh, that was one of my favorite things on the whole car, just because it's such a lovely, seamless little bit of engineering. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very cool. Uh, I should point out this one had the uh, blind spot information system, uh, which obviously show, shows when there's something in your blind spot, which I quite like. Yep. It is quite a nice thing. Again, how much you need it depends from car to car and the amount of visibility uh, that you're getting as well. But uh, but yeah, it's something that I do quite quite like in a car. That particular pack includes the cross-traffic alert with active braking uh, so that it can keep an eye, an eye out, mm-hmm. a virtual eye out uh, when you're reversing out of parking spaces, for example. Yeah. I didn't test that because I tend to be a reverser inner. And so that wasn't an issue. Also, uh, active park assist. Uh, on this one i tried it on the fiesta i didn't get a chance to try it on this uh, but it's worth uh underlining how impressed i was with it uh on the fiesta it, it worked really nicely to reverse into a space okay um beautifully positioned so i i don't imagine it'll be any different in in the focus it all seems to be very much the same tech lifted and shifted between the two vehicles cool i said earlier on we had the convenience pack 500 pound convenience pack it's actually pretty good uh pretty good good value uh, you've got that uh, rear wide view camera, so you mm-hmm. do actually get a reversing camera, and it is it is clear, it is it is wide. Uh, thankfully, is that uh, mounted on the boot or is that hidden away? Mounted on the down by the number plate, I'm afraid. Okay. Nothing as fancy as a pop out badge on this. No, one. no, that, that's fine. It's just you as the owner, you need to remember to just give it a, a wipe before you. Yeah, yeah, the old um, the old uh, cleaning thumb. Yeah, uh, is, is a vital on that door edge protectors. Uh, active park assist is included in that 500 pounds it's active park assist two for automatic uh, transmissions being able to help you with the, the shifting back and forth as well it's not not a bad deal that convenience pack to be perfectly honest there's a lot of tech in there mm-hmm. for what works out to be 20 quid a month or something yeah yeah yeah. It, it's good useful stuff it's not full of bling like some other packs that we we mentioned recently where in order to get the 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 the, the curry hook you had to have the rear seat air conditioning Yes. Let's take a hypothetical example. Yes. Screen in the middle at the front. Uh, I also didn't really talk about CarPlay, Android Auto, perfectly decent Sync 3 system behind all of that uh, as well. Easy enough for the radio, playing with all the settings, easy enough to configure. Good stereo as well. Okay. So no fancy branding, but it's a very traditional forward thing that to have a decent, decent stereo in the car didn't upset at all in 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 that way everything was everything was good no matter how much uh, of the rolls royce playlist or 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 the um mighty car mods um thumping tunes uh i played through it so that was that was pretty cool well i think we're almost up to sort of verdict area have you got anything else you needed to say no nothing really no just that it's uh, the, it's very difficult because 
I just wouldn't choose that drive line. The actual car, okay, so the body and the tech and the comfort and all that, really liked it, handled nicely, steering was good, gear shift was good, all that stuff, great. Just didn't like the drivetrain and that mild hybrid drivetrain uh, in that. If I would probably have preferred the diesel. I would probably have preferred, uh, if there were a more powerful petrol, I would have had that. Yeah. I would definitely be more likely to go out and buy an ST, a Focus ST now. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay, because I want to, because, you know, me being me, I'd want the powerful engine and that would be great. I just wouldn't have either of those mild hybrid drivetrains. Okay. Not a a fan of those at all. That's fair enough. Uh, Yeah. Uh, But the rest of the car, really good. Would never diss anyone uh, for for having one. If you get one as a rental, then you've won at rental car roulette. You know, it's, yeah, would all be great. But no, I I would, I, I just, didn't like the drivetrain at all. Okay. Which I think sums it up. Yep, pretty much. Yep. Cool. So we'll be back before very long, but don't forget between now and the next time, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts with the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget to leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, if people want to ask you about owning a Mark One Focus, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crap Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people feel that perhaps you may have missed a, a bit of info, maybe, possibly, what's the best way for them to get in? Yeah, tell me, tell me what I was doing wrong, please, because because <laughs> I'm quite up. I always get upset whenever I have to be a little grumpy about press cars. <laughs> what's the best way for them to get in touch and tell you that then? Uh, Twitter is normally the best way, where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. We'll be back next week. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.